Welcome to the House Top Podcast, the teaching arm of Oikos Ministries. Jesus said, Whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light, and what you hear in the ear, preach on the housetops. Join our host, Terrell Abair, as he teaches God's Word. Well, good evening and uh, welcome back to uh, Oikos Ministries Facebook Live uh, program. I'm Terrell Abair. I'll be your host this evening. We just finished up a really good series on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Tonight we were starting a brand new series, so it's a good night to have you with us. We'll be talking about the seven pillars of wisdom, the seven pillars of wisdom. So we've got a lot of ground to cover and I won't uh, belabor it too much. I just want to get right to it. In uh, the book of Proverbs chapter nine, that'll be our text. And uh, it says, I'm going to read the whole chapter to us. Uh, it's, we're going to read a lot of scripture tonight, so stay with me. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn out her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her meat. She has mixed her wine. She has furnished her table. She has sent out her maiden. She cries out from the city, from the highest places of the city. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. As for him who lacks understanding, she says to him, come eat of my bread and drink of the wine I've mixed. Forsake foolishness and live and go in the way of understanding. He who corrects a scoffer gets himself gets shame for himself, and he who rebukes a wicked man only harms himself. Do not correct a scoffer lest he hate you. Rebuke a wise man and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man and he will be still wiser. Teach a just man and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For by me, that's wisdom speaking. Your days will be multiplied and years of life will be added to you. If you are wise, you're wise for yourself. And if you scoff, you will bear it alone. A foolish woman is clamorous. She is simple and knows nothing. For she sits at the door of her house on a seat by the highest places of the city to call to those who pass by, who go straight on their way. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And as for him who lacks understanding, she says to him, Stolen water is sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of hell. So here we have what I believe is a culmination of uh, Proverbs chapter 5, 6, 7, 8, and finally 9. 9 is really where it uh, just it puts a period at the end of the big sentence. And it talks about wisdom versus foolish wise versus fools. It talks about wisdom and it talks about her and as, as a female, her wisdom, she has builded her house. She has hewn out or cut out her seven pillars. And so when we see this idea that wisdom has these seven pillars, this uh, foundation, and she cries out to those passers by. And if you look carefully, starting in verse 13, the foolish woman is doing the same thing as wisdom. Wisdom is building her house and the foolish woman is calling to the passersby. Come in here. Come, come with me. And she even makes a seductive invitation saying stolen waters are sweet and bread eaten in secret is uh, really good. And so she's really seducing uh, with a, an adulterous uh, invitation. And so we see wisdom and foolishness. Now I'm going to just put this out here right in front. I was, I'm, I'm not the kind of guy who can just build it all the way through and then 
give you that thunder. I'm going to give you my thunder right off the bat. I believe we're talking about the wisdom of God versus the wisdom of the world. Without any doubt, the, the, the foolish woman begins to represent an adultery all throughout these, these verses, and it does deal with sexual sin. But I believe there's a greater meaning involved, and it has everything to do with a spiritual meaning concerning wisdom. And the real foundation in the heart and mind of people, are you wise or are you a fool? Now, we will build on that point, and I won't give away all the ending tonight. But what we want to do tonight is define that wisdom. We're going to look carefully at quite a few verses here in the book of Proverbs. And what I found, I was just telling this group a little earlier before we started, <clears throat> we have a, a, a daily Bible reading plan that brings you through the Old Testament once a year. It brings you through the New Testament twice in the year, Psalms twice in the year, and Proverbs every month. You read a proverb every day. And it's through reading those proverbs every day that this, this revelation just began to build in my spirit concerning wisdom's seven pillars, and especially the defining of the word wisdom. The seven pillars came later, but the, to me, the revelation of, of just really the true understanding of wisdom. Now, if we looked at the regular definitions for wisdom, it says that wisdom is skillful. It, it, and I like what one, one definition says, uh, the ability to live life skillfully. Okay? But it means skillful in, it could mean skillful in war. It could mean skillful in education. I mean, administration, skillful in business or shrewd. And even when it comes to religion, it could mean prudent in religion or ethical concerning religion. And, uh, and so any of these can be the, the word wisdom and, or, or define the word wisdom. But I believe the spiritual definition and the biblical definition, especially as New Covenant believers, are going to really unravel that thought and help us to understand it. And so <clears throat> wisdom has, look at, if you look at the verse, wisdom has built her house, and it refers to wisdom in the female sense. Wisdom has built her house. So wisdom is building a house and she has hewn out her seven pillars. Now, the word house there is just simply a dwelling, no fantastic underlying meaning. It just means a house. Um, Baith, I think, is the Hebrew word. Beth, when we see Beth, uh, um, when you see the word Beth, B-E-T-H, it means house in the Old Covenant. And so she has slaughtered her meat. Now, the seven pillars, let me just keep going. She has built her house. She has hewn out. That means she's carved out. This could mean stone or wood. She's carved out her seven pillars. Now, pillars mean uh, they literally are that which stands upright like a column. And it means to stand erect, to remain, stand steadfast, withhold. I mean, uh, withstand. It, it's really something that would remain a permanency uh, of, of, of an erect, permanent structure that literally stabilizes the whole house. And we're talking about foundational type pillars. And so uh, we see that wisdom is building her house. Now, we drop down to verse 13, and so is the foolish woman building a house. And if you look at verse 13, a foolish woman is clamorous. She is simple and knows nothing. I mean, uh, a loud, loud mouth, uh, uh, very boisterous. She knows nothing. I mean, she's talking it up, but she don't really know anything. Now, when we talk about wisdom, and I believe we're dealing with the wisdom of God versus the world's wisdom. Okay. When we talk about the wisdom of God looks at the world's wisdom and like, you know, nothing. You really have no spiritual understanding 
which, you know, the book of Romans says, professing themselves wise, they became fools. And, and literally there's a wisdom of this world that is foolishness. And for she sits at the door of her house. Now look at where she sits. She's seated at her house. So foolishness has a house as well. And she also is crying out with an invitation. Come here, you simple ones. And they're both calling to the simple, the simple minded, the people without understanding. They're both saying, come. There's an invitation from the wisdom of God. There's an invitation from the wisdom of this world, from the wise woman and from the foolish and they're both inviting and say, come in here. And look, let's just face it. We all start out as imbecile. <laughs> we all start out pretty much foolish. I, I think it's really neat. If you ever heard the term sophomore, uh, that's what the 10th graders are. Or, uh, uh, what is that? Your second year of college? Yeah. Is se yeah so a 10th grader in high school, a second year of college, a sophomore. Soph comes from the Greek word Sophia and more from moron. And so a wise moron, isn't that an insult? So a sophomore, we all start out as pretty much moron. And if you think about it, babies are imbeciles. They know nothing, but uh, there, there's an invitation by wisdom and by foolishness to come and come into my house. I'm building a house and I want to affect, I want to establish your house. I want my house to affect your house. Okay. Now, keep looking at this uh, foolish woman. Uh, the house is the same exact word for the for, for wisdom's house. And she's calling out to the passersby. I mean, she is really putting it on. She's calling out to the from the chief places of the city. Come. And then it says something I think is so interesting. Look at verse 17. It says stolen water is sweet and bread in secret is pleasant. But he does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of hell. And so this foolish woman is saying, look, I'm inviting you to an adulterous affair. That's what this means. That's what the stolen water is. It's an adulterous affair. And as I read the book of Proverbs over and over again, I, I certainly could see where the book of Proverbs was warning us against getting into sexual immorality. I think it ironic to know that uh, Solomon, I mean, his downfall was sexual immorality and idolatry. I mean, basically, strange women led him to idolatry. It literally was his downfall. I also find it interesting of how often Jesus quoted him and referred to him. And so it's an amazing anomaly there that, that Solomon supposed to be full of all this wisdom, he fell for the thing that he's warning all of us about. And so he, Solomon was lacking something that you and I have access to that he didn't have any, he, he had no clue what his father understood. And so when we see this idea now, we're establishing something, there is a wisdom of this, of God, and there's a wisdom from the world. And both are trying to invite you to sit at their table and learn and affect your house. They want your house to be established just like their house. And so the invitation is there and both are putting out the call, come, come to my wisdom or come to my foolishness. And really look at the twist on the wisdom of this world. And she says, look, stolen water is sweet. Bread eaten in secret, ooh, is pleasant. 
and the allure to the flesh. And that's what you're going to see about all the, 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 the invitation of the foolish woman. Every bit of it is an allurement to the worldliness and to the flesh itself. It appeals to the flesh. Therefore, many take up or answer the call to be foolish. Turn to Proverbs and in the fifth chapter, we're still in Proverbs. Just turn to the fifth chapter. And we're going to read some verses here because of the context of this. I really want to, I want you to see it. And I'm going to point them out as we go. Verse one, my son, pay attention to my wisdom. Lend your ear to my understanding that you may preserve discretion and your lips may keep knowledge for the lips of an immoral woman drip honey. Her mouth is smoother than oil, but in the end, she is bitter as wormwood. Now, right off the bat, wisdom and look, pay attention to my wisdom. And then the lips of an immoral or a strange woman is what I think the King James says. But again, immorality, adulterous woman. Her mouth is smoother than oil, but in the end, she is bitter as wormwood. Sharp as a two-edged sword, her feet go down to death. Her steps lay hold of hell, lest you ponder, ponder her path of life. Her ways are unstable. You do not know them. And so wisdom is saying, hey, come to my house. Look, pay attention to my wisdom. Lend, lend your ear to my understanding. Preserve discretion that your lips may keep knowledge. Because on the other hand, the immoral woman, all right? Her lips are smooth as oil, but her, the end is bitter as, uh, uh, as wormwood. And so uh, it, the end is death. He said, don't learn her way. Don't listen to her. You'll learn her ways. Keep going. Look at this. It, it, it just keeps piling it on. Verse six, lest you ponder her path of life. You see, <clears throat> I find this Christians, as we try our best to raise our children in the love and nurture and the admonition of the Lord. And then we, we try our best to, to uh, train up a child in the way they should go. That the world's wisdom is crying out with such flesh appeal that we have very little to argue against them because we've not seen much in the power of God in our generation. And it's literally what's got to turn this around and that there has to be some kind of benefit that this generation sees from the wisdom of God. And until there's a distinction painted, and my contention is going to be this, that the world, that the church is literally living in the world's wisdom, committing a continuous adultery against God by living with the world's wisdom. Keep going. We'll keep, I'll I'll, I'll qualify my statements as we go. Therefore, hear me now, verse seven. Hear me now, my children, do not depart from the words of my mouth. Remove your way far from her. Do not go near the door of her house lest you give honor to others and less and your years to cruel one, the cruel one, lest aliens be filled with your wealth and your labors go to the house of a foreigner. And you mourn at last when your flesh and your body are consumed. Whoever, excuse me, I flipped two pages. My bad. Excuse me. All right. And say, how I've hated instruction and my heart despised correction. I have not obeyed the voice of my teacher, nor inclined my ear to those who instructed me. I was on the verge of total ruin in the midst of the assembly and the congregation. And so when you accept 
the wisdom of this world's invitation, when you fall for her, when you begin to ponder her path and way of life, then all of a sudden, uh, the end of that will literally destroy every bit of wealth, everything you've ever worked for, everything you've tried to accomplish. It will literally first ruin your life and then immediate, and then in the end it will, uh, uh, it will end you in hell. This is a terrible scenario. Look what it says. Now look at the encouragement that wisdom gives us. Drink water from your own cistern. <laughs> Drink water from your own. Isn't this a clever way of saying, um, only be with your own wife. And running water from your own well. Should your fountains be dispersed abroad? Streams of water in the street? We should not be doing that. Let them be only yours and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of your youth as a loving deer and a graceful doe. Let her breast satisfy you at all times. Always be enraptured with her love. For why should you, my son, be enraptured by an immoral woman and be embraced in the arms of a seductress? For the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all his paths. His own iniquities entrap the wicked man, and he is caught in the cords of his sin. He shall die for lack of instruction, and in the greatness of his folly he shall go astray. And so the encouragement of wisdom is to be faithful in your house. Be sexually pure. This is what this, it, 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 there's no hidden meaning there. He's saying be sexually pure. Always be enraptured with your own wife's love, the one you're in covenant with. Now we'll get spiritual. You see, the fact is when we're in covenant with God, yet we're starting to use the world's wisdom, we have become adulterers. We literally are committing adultery against God by using the world's wisdom. And God is a jealous God. He despises that, which we'll see in the next passages. And we have to understand that we're literally enraging God by playing. Uh, the, the, look at James 4. James 4 tells us, you see, he starts out, he says, you adulterers and adulteresses, do not you know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? It makes you the enemy of God. And literally, when we are in a covenant with God through the blood of Jesus Christ, when we're in blood covenant with God, yet we use the world's wisdom, then we are literally playing the harlot. We are being in adultery against God. You've got to see this point because he makes it over and over and over. Now, without any doubt, he is giving us wisdom concerning sexual purity, marital fidelity, and, and, and warning us against the, the, the terrors of infidelity. But when you see this in clarity and understand the deeper meaning, the, the, the spiritual meaning of this, that we have played the idolater with the world. And that's our problem right now. Look at chapter six of Proverbs. My son, if you become surety for your, oh, excuse me, we're going to jump ahead to verse 20. My son, keep your father's command and do not forsake the law of your mother. Bind them continually upon your heart. Tie them around your neck. When you roam, they will lead you. When you sleep, they will keep you. When you awake, they will speak with you. For the commandment is a lamp. The law of light reproofs of, of instruction or the way of life to keep you from the immoral or the evil woman, from the flattering tongue of a seductress. 
Do not lust after her beauty in your heart, nor let her allure you with her eyelids. For by means of a harlot, a man is reduced to a crust of bread. An adulteress will prey upon his precious life. Can a man take fire to his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be seared? So is he who goes to his neighbor's wife. Whoever touches her shall not be innocent. People do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy himself when he's starving, yet when he is found, he must restore sevenfold. He may give, have to give up all the substance of his house. Whoever commits adultery with a woman lacks understanding. He does so, he who does so destroys his own soul. Wounds and dishonor he will get, and his reproach will not be wiped away. For jealousy is the husband's fury. King James says, for jealousy is the rage of a man. Therefore, he will not spare in the day of vengeance. He will accept no recompense, nor will he be appeased, though you, though you give many gifts. He can't be bought off from this. Once a, a husband finds out his wife's in, in, infidelity, he, he, his rage cannot be satiated. He literally is going to get a vengeance. And so this picture is a picture of, of God's people playing the harlot or literally being adulterous against God. And if you'll notice in chapter six, wisdom gives us another uh, exhortation. Hey, keep these keep these words right in your heart when you're sleeping, when you're awake. I mean, keep the words right there. Speak them. Let them speak to you. Let them be a light of your way. Uh, let it be a law of light an instruction in the way of life. And it will keep you from the evil woman. Now, again, when we see this issue concerning personal integrity, personal uh, sexual fidelity, that we would be literally pure in our lives. The Apostle Paul tells us in the book of Corinthians, uh, let not fornication be once named among you as become a saints. Uh, that fornication is literally a taboo issue in the new covenant that we are not to be sexually immoral. And so right now it's all the rage of the age that sexual immorality is running rampant. Uh, when we look at internet and, and pornography and, uh, and now the promiscuity, uh, it's normal now. I, I, I mean, we were watching a TV show just recently and my goodness, they were just, they were talking to the preacher about the couple who were living together and they were acting like it's just normal. It's no big deal. And, and it's it's really it's being normalized. Sexual immorality has been normalized and it's been frowned on to even think that someone could be sexually pure. And, and it's like some foreign thought. And truly, we are, are, are hearing that the immoral woman, the wisdom of this world is shouting it loud. Hey, my wisdom is better than that old God's wisdom, that old, that old fuddy-duddy wisdom. Our wisdom is way better, and it, it, it appeals to the flesh. Everything about it is a, is a fleshly seduction. And when we think of what's going on in our, in our school systems right now, and what we're seeing in, 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 from elementary all the way, we have drag queens teaching our children. We have, uh, we have uh, now they're, they're starting to say that there, <clears throat> there's more than one gender, I mean two genders, <laughs> the confusion is off the rails. And this all comes from people who used to tell us 
believe the science. Now we say we do believe the science and they, they just uh, know that not that not that science is irrelevant when it comes to gen- it's crazy. It's demonic. It's not crazy. It's not stupidity. It is demonic. It is the wisdom of this world. And I'm telling you, it, it has become it, it is going. It is it is a judgment. It is literally a foolish heart being darkened by the judgments of God. And that's where we are in this present generation. So we see chapter five. Chapter six. Now look at chapter seven of the book of Proverbs. My son, keep my words and treasure my commands within you. Keep my commandments and live. And my law is the apple of your eye. Bind them upon your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister. Call understanding your nearest kin that they may keep you from the immoral woman. From the seductress who flatters with her words. Now look, five, six, seven, all right? Three chapters in a row that's saying, look, if you don't keep the wisdom of God near and dear, your heart, your mind, your understanding, if you don't keep these things continually in your heart, before your eyes and on your lips, the immoral woman is calling and she's going to have find some room of appeal to your life before it's over with. She will seduce you. This is what this is about over and over again. And so we're not only talking about sexual immorality and adultery here, but we are literally talking about spiritual immorality and spiritual adultery against God. That's what this is really pointing toward. That's the bigger picture here. Stay with it. For at the window of my house, I looked through my lattice and saw among the simple, I perceived among the youth, a man devoid of understanding, passing along the street near her corner And he took the path to her house in the twilight, in the evening, in the black and dark night. And there a woman met him with an attire of a harlot and a crafty heart. She was loud and rebellious. Her feet would not stay at home. At times she was outside, at times in the open square, lurking at every corner. So she caught him and kissed him with an impudent face. She said to him, I have peace offerings with me. Man, she's making this religious. Today I've paid my vows. Oh, she is really godly. So I came out to meet you diligently to seek your face and I have found you. I have spread my bed with tapestry, colored coverings of Egyptian linen. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of love until the morning. Let us delight ourselves with love for my husband is not at home. Wow. Nice girl. I'm very, she's very religious though. Good thing she paid her vows and she tithed and, uh, and, and boy, she had peace offerings and whoo, yeah, she's saved. See, this is what the wisdom of the world says. It has a religion right at the base of it that literally justifies anything you want to do, anything you want to do. This is what the wisdom of the world does. And it has infiltrated religion in every way, shape or form. And so now that the, 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 the churches that are called Christian are literally functioning in the wisdom of this world. Stay with me. I will qualify it as we go. Let us delight ourselves with love for my husband's not at home. He's gone on a long journey. He's taken a bag of money with him and will come home on a day appointed. With her enticing speech, she caused him to yield. With her flattering lips, she seduced him. Immediately he went in after her as an ox goes to the slaughter or as a fool to the correction of the stocks till an arrow stuck his liver struck his liver as a bird hastens to the snare. He did not know it would cost his life. Now, therefore, listen to me, my children, 
pay attention to the words of my mouth. Do not let your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray into her path, for she has cast down many wounded, and all who were slain by her were strong men. Her house is the way to hell, descending to the chambers of death. And so the warning goes out. Look, strong men have gone before you, and everyone who followed her was taken down. Solomon was taken down. King David almost lost it. Look at Samson. Look at, we could just go, the list goes on and on and on about how many people were taken down through and truly through an immoral woman. But when you start to see, I believe the, 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 the thing that happens first before the physical immorality falling into that is that we fall into a spiritual adultery. We fall for the spiritual uh, uh, the immoral woman's call, we accept the invitation to be a fool. We accept the world's wisdom. Look, I've come to a place right now in my Christian, I've been Christian for 41 years, and I'm telling you right now, I've come to a place where I, please, please don't hold this against me. This is my personal place. I literally hate the education systems, all of them. I totally loathe them. All they do is teach the world's wisdom. You send your kids there, they come back hellions. It takes the greatest miracle of God to take a person through a university and, and they stay. It's, I don't even know how, how I could be done now. You've got to pass their tests. You've got to answer their questions. You've got to think their thinking. You have to literally repent and think their way. Look at chapter eight. Now. Does not wisdom cry out and understanding lift up her voice? She takes her stand on the top of the hill beside the way where the paths meet. She cries out by the gates of the entry of the city at the entrance of the door. To you, O men, I call and my voice is to the sons of men. O you simple ones understand prudence. You, you fools be of an understanding heart. Listen, for I will speak of excellent things and from the opening of my lips will come right things for my mouth will speak truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are with righteousness. Nothing crooked or perverse is in them. They are all plain to him who understands and right to those who find knowledge. Receive my instruction and not silver and knowledge rather than choice gold for wisdom is better than rubies and all things one may desire cannot be compared with her. Now, I want you to notice this. Wisdom is putting out a call. Come to me. I mean, from every quarter of the earth, he stands on the highest hill. I believe it stands on the hill of Calvary and begins to call out. Come to the wisdom of God. You simple you who have failed already, come to the wisdom of God. Come. And he makes a comparison. There's nothing perverse in wisdom's lip. There's nothing evil that comes out. She loves righteousness and hates unrighteousness and wickedness. Literally, wisdom says, I am prudent. I dwell with prudence. I am faithful. I'm better than money. I'm better than anything your heart could desire. I'm more valuable than anything else you could, you could acquire. Get wisdom. Wisdom's crying out. Watch carefully where this goes. Verse 12, I wisdom dwell with prudence and find out knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is to hate arrogance. 
uh, hate evil, pride and arrogance and the evil way and the perverse mouth. I hate counsel is mine. Sound wisdom. I am understanding. I have strength by me. Kings reign and rulers decree justice by me. Princes rule and nobles, all the judges of the earth. I love those who love me and those who seek me diligently will find me. Riches and honor are with me, enduring riches and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold. Yes, than fine gold. My revenue than choice silver. I traverse the way of righteous <coughs> righteousness in the paths of the uh, uh, in the midst of the paths of justice that I might cause those who love me to inherit wealth that I may fill their treasures. Wisdom continues her case said I'm better than politics, governments, financial systems. I am better than anything you could acquire. My fruit is better. The fruits of wisdom are better than anything the world could offer. There's an everlasting fruit in the wisdom of God. There is a fruit to eternal life in the, in the wisdom of God. And if we can't see this, if we're, if there's nothing, if, if, you see, the foolish heart can only see the temporal. The foolish heart is so sold out to the flesh that it literally can't see past the end of days of the flesh. The foolish heart is so short-sighted that the worldview ends in about 70 years. What a terrible existence. What a terrible thing to think. I'm here for 70 years, then I die, then nothing. What a foolish way of life. Now here we're getting to the point where I think everything changes. This is what opened it up. Verse 22, wisdom is speaking and says, the Lord possessed me at the beginning of his way. Now, I don't know what that means. The beginning of God's way. He never began and he never ends. But wisdom was there. However, that looks works. Wisdom was he possessed me from the beginning of his way before his works of old. I have been established from everlasting from the beginning before there ever was an earth. When there were no depths, I was brought forth when there was no fountains abounding with water before the mountains were settled before the hills. I was brought forth while as yet he had not made the earth or the fields or the primal dust of the world. When he prepared the heavens, I was there when he drew a circle on the face of the deep. When he established the clouds above, when he strengthened the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limits so that the waters could not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him as a master craftsman and I was daily his delight. Rejoice always before him, rejoicing in his inhabited world. And my delight was with the sons of men. Now, let, therefore, listen to me, my children, for blessed are those who keep my ways. Wisdom still talking. Hear instruction and be wise and do not disdain it. Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the post of my doors. For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who sins against me wrongs his own soul. All those who hate me love death. Wisdom is crying out. Wisdom is making a case. Wisdom says I was there at the beginning of God's way. I was there before the earth was made. Wisdom was there before the foundation of the world. When we consider the idea of wisdom's existence, eternal existence, we have to broaden our understanding. Wisdom's definition says to live life skillfully. Why goodness, life in its temporal 
the way we know it. Come on, man. When we look at the everlasting father without beginning, without end, the eternal God who has no beginning, has no end. And we look at wisdom who dwelt there from the very, very beginning. I was there. He possessed me from the beginning. When I look at wisdom and I consider the wisdom of God, I want to bring this home now. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians in the first chapter. Verse 17. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. The words of men undo the cross of Christ. Let me just say that. Not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ. Men can, the talking of men really are, are an affront to the very cross of Christ. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are, uh, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? There it is in a clear context, the wisdom of the world. God thinks the wisdom of this world is foolish. The world thinks God is foolish. God abhors the world and the world abhors God. The world is an abomination to God and God is an abomination to the world. Do you understand this? We can't say it clear. But he says, where is the wise? Where's the scribe? Where's the disputer of this age? Where are they? Come on. He said, I'll put to, I'll put to shame. I'll make them nothing. The foolishness, this world's wisdom will perish and all those who are governed by it and driven by it, all who have answered the call to to the foolish woman, to the immoral woman, to the wisdom that's against God, to the world's wisdom. They have a death sentence reigning inside of them. Stay with me, excuse me. For the Jews, uh, excuse me, for the, since the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not go, know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. Now listen to me carefully. God is not using this world's wisdom to save the souls of men. Neither does he use this world's wisdom to keep the men of God and the women of God. He does not use this world's wisdom. As a matter of fact, God has chosen the foolish things of this world And he's hidden, he has literally hidden the wisdom of God in plain sight. Fools wear necklaces of crosses. Fools make artwork of of crosses and and things of God. But let me tell you carefully, the the, the wisdom of God is hidden in plain sight. And and especially let's take it to Western civilization and, and industrialized nations who literally only rejoice in being number one and being great and getting all you can get and going for the gusto and be all you can be and you're number one and I love me and blah, blah, blah. You deserve. Oh, come on, man. 
That's the world crying out. And you know what the church has done? Amen. Let's have both. You can't. The devil will share you. God will not. It is not available. You cannot have both. Choose one. Stay with me. Verse 25, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see your calling, brethren, not many, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. And see, that ain't talking real good about us Christians. <laughs> we didn't call all the smart fellas. That, that, that qualified me. Jethro de Bodine, it just qualified me right off the bat. Dumber than a box of hammers. Uh, look, uh, just bought into the immoral woman's call right off the bat. Just stupid as could make me. The, that not only did a dart strike through my liver, struck everywhere. I had darts hanging all over me. I answered the fool's call. Thank God he's merciful. Thank God you can switch teams. Thank God you say, I repent. I don't want to be a fool. I want your wisdom, God. He said, let me show it to you. Stay with me. But God has chosen the foolish things of this world to put the shame, the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to put the shame, the, the things which are mighty and the base things of this world and the things which are despised. God has chosen and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are that no flesh should glory in his presence. Let me tell you something. The churches today glory in the flesh. You go to most any church and they got them a little basketball team or a little baseball team or they got them a little sports team and they want to be number one and they want to look, go to one of them church league ball games and watch them. They want to be number one. I read somewhere second place is first loser. That's the way that the world thinks. The world abhors losing. The world abhors weakness. The world hates what God loves. It hates poverty. The world hates poverty. The world hates weakness. Stay with it. Verse 30, but of him, you're in Christ Jesus who became for us the wisdom from God. Look at there. What Jesus is the wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption that as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and fear and in much trembling and my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of man's wisdom but in demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. However, we speak wisdom among those that are, who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God has ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Let me just say it plain as plain English can help me say it. 
The wisdom of God is the cross of Jesus Christ. It literally was there before the world began. Let me just say this. This has been in my heart all week as I've studied this stuff and gotten ready for these messages. God created the earth, but the world belongs to Satan. Say it again. God created the earth, but the world belongs to Satan. God created the sphere called earth, the dry land, the ball that had all of creation on it. But the world and the makeup, the cosmetic of this earth literally is belongs to the cosmo creator, literally the ruler of the darkness of this world called the devil. Now, the devil has a wisdom and literally his call and appeal to his wisdom all allure and appeal to the flesh. You go to our campuses today. Our college campuses are literally stupid. I'm saying it as clear as I know how. I, I didn't mince words. They're stupid. When you've got college kids who are so gender confused, that's just demonic stupidity. They're raucous, they're clamorous, they're tumultuous. They're, they're always on a, uh, I mean, from way back in the 60s and the, and the sexual revolution and the Berkeley riots and all that. Now we're having campus uh, shenanigans now of, of nothing but foolishness on our campuses. Folks, we're in a terrible way. As we look at the wisdom of this world versus wisdom of God, I want you to turn with me to Revelation 13, verse 8. Verse five, and when he was given a mouth, speaking great things and blasphemies and was given authority to continue for 42 months. And he opened his mouth and blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle and those who dwell therein dwell in heaven. It was granted to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And authority was given him over every tribe, tongue and nation. All who dwell on the earth will worship him whose names have not been written in the book of life of the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Now look at there. The lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. Wisdom just declared of itself in, Ro in Proverbs 8, I was with you before the world began. You possessed me in the beginning of your ways. When God, God told Job at the end of Job's conflict in Job chapter 38, he said, gird up your loins, Job. I'm going to question you. You gird up your loins like a man. I want you to answer me. You've made big boasts, Job. Job. Now, you, I'm going to question you. You answer me. Where were you when I made the earth? Where were you when all the sons of God shouted for joy? And I looked very hard at that passage. And I thought, wow, the only place we read that is in Job. At the very beginning of the creation, the sons of God shouted for joy. Look, when God made the earth, the first day, God said, he said, and, and God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved on the face of the waters, and God said, let there be light. Now, it was several days until he made the sun and the stars and the moon and all the other things, but 
The first thing did, God did was say, let there be light. I believe the very beginning of creation is the declaration of wisdom, that the wisdom of God was revealed to the sons of God and it made them shout for joy when God told his plan that I will make a man in my image and he will have a will and he will use that will against me. He will sin against me. He will revolt against me. But in due time, I will come down to earth in human form in the womb of a little virgin and I will literally come in and die in the place of all mankind. I will be the sacrifice for their sin. <coughs> I will take their place in hell and death. I will redeem my people. <coughs> when God shows this from the beginning of the world, the sons of God shouted for joy. We need to understand that the revelation that Jesus Christ, it says in him was life and that life is the light of men. The revelation of the life of Christ, the crucifixion of Christ. This is the wisdom of God. It's the very foundation of this world. It's the found. It's what makes this world. The whole world revolves around it, whether you like it or not. The earth is literally on the axis that spins around the cross of Jesus Christ. It points to one thing. The wisdom of God revealed at the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. This is the wisdom of God. And the world hates it. Satan hates it. If they'd have known this, they'd have never killed him. If they'd understood it, they'd have never killed him. But God hid his wisdom in weakness. He hid his life in death. Come on, man. He hid his beauty in Human plainness. He hid his strength and weakness. Come on, man. It just gets so good. Wisdom cries out. She has builded her house. She has cut out her seven pillars. Wisdom is building a house. Let me show you another verse. Turn with me to the book of Matthew, seventh chapter. We'll close right here for tonight. Verse 24, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine. Now, my Bible has these words in red. That means Jesus is speaking. And he said, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew, and the, they beat on that house and it did not fall for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rains descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell and great was the fall. And so here we see Jesus making the distinction between the wise and the foolish. And he said, whoever builds his house on these sayings of mine. Let me show you what he's like. He's like a man who built on a rock. Whoever hears these sayings of mine and does not do them, let me show you what he's like. He's like a fool who built his house on the sand. So Jesus makes a distinction between the wisdom of, a, of God and the wisdom of this world. And that's where we're going with this. Wisdom has hewn her seven pillars. There are seven sayings that we want to deal with with Jesus Christ. The sayings of mine that I believe have everything to do 
with pointing out the wisdom of God right out of the cross of Jesus Christ. And I want to show you that tonight, well, we'll, we'll take it up next week, but I want to show you starting tonight that the wisdom of God is the cross of Jesus Christ. Whenever I read the word wisdom now, I think only one thing, the cross of Christ. The wisdom of God is the cross of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Worldly wisdom is adultery and idolatry against God. Our covenant is with Jesus Christ. We are, God cut covenant with us at the cross of Christ. We enter that covenant by faith. And if we use, you know, now faith means to be per, fully persuaded in our mind. And if we allow our minds to be persuaded by the world's wisdom, we are in adultery against God. And I'm suggesting to you tonight, the churches have literally used the church. They've only used the cross of Christ as an artwork. It's a it's a it's a, a little sentence in the big picture of their social events. It's not the place where we come and die. It's something that we've included in our religion. Oh, we've paid our vows. We got our peace offerings. We paid our tithes. And now let's commit adultery. Because we're saved. I believe these foolish houses will fall. So I pray that you'll be back with us next week and we'll start laying one pillar at a time. One pillar at a time. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn out her seven pillars. And I believe Jesus gave us seven very clear pillars that we will begin to deal with starting next week. God bless you. Have a great week. Hope to see you back next week. We are so thankful that you joined us for this teaching today. It's our sincere prayer that many of you would be born again through hearing God's word. If you were blessed by this podcast, we would love to hear from you. For more information on Oikos Ministries, visit us on our website, www.housechurchesusa.com.